as if you if you look through Open Doors website and their material, they have story after story of believers who have been imprisoned simply for carrying a Bible, for for talking about the Bible, for holding firm to the truth of the Bible. In AD 303, the Roman Emperor Diocletian issued a decree that he hoped would would stop this scourge of Christianity, as he called it, the, from spreading. And one of his primary objectives was the seizure and destruction of the Bible. If he could get rid of the Bible, he reasoned, then he could stop Christianity. Later that year, officials enforced the decree in North Africa, and one of the targets was Felix, Bishop of Tibjuka, a village near Carthage. The mayor of the town ordered Felix to hand over his scriptures. Felix refused. He refused to surrender the Word of God at the insistence of mere men. Resolutely, he resisted compromise. Roman authorities finally shipped Felix to Rome, to Italy rather, where he paid for his stubbornness with his life. On August 30th, as the record puts it, with pious obstinacy, he laid down his life rather than surrender his gospel. pretty amazing if this was a mere book. Pretty amazing. And as we've talked about last week and we'll continue to talk about at least through November, this is not a mere book. This alone is God's Word. And in Scripture alone, we find all that we need. Life and and living a godly life. Last week we, we started and we talked about some foundational principles. We'll continue that this week and then Next week, get into some just practical proofs of God's Word and why we know it's reliable that can help you in conversation with unbelievers and those that would, would challenge it. But if you remember, last week we talked about the, the, we, three of the four absolutes about the Bible. And the first is that the Bible alone is the very Word of God. The Bible alone is the very Word of God. And we, we explored the doctrine of inspiration Second absolute that we hold to about the Bible is that the Bible alone is completely without error, both in every word and its entire and its and in its entirety, verbal plenary inspiration. And so that's the doctrine of inerrancy. The third thing that we talked about, the third absolute, is that the Bible alone is our ultimate authority. We talked about the authority of Scripture. And these these flow together because if the Bible is the very words of God Almighty and God is truth, then His Word must be truth. And that's where you get inerrancy. And if God has authority over our lives, then His Word has authority over our lives. And so you get the doctrine of the authority of Scriptures. This morning we come to the fourth absolute. The Bible alone, in the Bible alone, God has given us all we need for godly living. In the Bible alone, God has given us all we need for godly living. It's the doctrine of the sufficiency of Scriptures. And in reading and in talking to people, this is a particular, particularly difficult one to accept. People can say, yes, I believe the Bible's God's Word. I'll hold to that. Oh yeah, it's, it's without error. But then when we start to say, well, it's sufficient for life, that it gives us what we need to walk with God, what we need to, to become more Christ-like, well, then we start to waver. Really? Just the Bible? Are you sure? 
And, 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 and it, it sounds too easy. It sounds too simple. On the camping trip recently, some, someone brought a puzzle. <laughs> and, and so some of you were consumed by that puzzle. Some of you. Um, and and we, we put the puzzle together. Remember, how many of you worked on the puzzle at some point? Okay, so a, a number of you. And I wasn't there at the end, but I heard at the end it was a little bit touch and go. What was the problem? They all looked the same. There was a piece in the wrong place. And so you end up with a hole that you can't fit the piece into, right? And if, if you've done puzzles, how, how do you like having a missing piece? We recently did a puzzle at home, a Baskin and Robbins puzzle. It's real helpful. And we, we, we got done, and there's a missing piece right in the, the banana split. It's wrong. This morning, there's a puzzle out there on the, the table. I don't know if anyone put in any pieces. Um, but those of you looking at it, is, is, are you troubled by it? Why? There's a piece missing. It's not complete. I can put in the last piece. <laughs> um, all that to say, when we come to sufficiency, that's a great example of understanding, would God give us his word of how to live and how to walk with him and leave a piece out? Would that be consistent with his character? Would that be consistent with who he is? Here you go. Here's my word for you. Follow it. And, and sorry about what's missing. I hope you get it right because I'm going to judge you for it. God wouldn't do that. And so we come to, if this is the very word of God and it is, then it is his revelation to us for how to live. And it is his complete revelation to us for how to live. When we think of sufficiency, we're going to look at a a number of different um, aspects of that and things to, to look at at sufficiency but it literally means that God has given us all we need to live a godly life. All that we need. We don't need to supplement it. Now, helps are nice and teaching about it is nice, but as long as the foundation is God's Word. But we don't have to find another Holy Scripture. We don't have to find another great prophet that will help us be more spiritual. Because God has given us all that we need. Amen? Amen. So let's look at some things that sufficiency means. Because there are no missing pieces. The first one there is, is really sort of a reiteration of the, the thought of, of the main point. The Bible is the only, and I would underline only, the Bible is the only divinely intended authority for faith and godly living. The Bible is the only divinely intended authority for faith and godly living. And that's important to get clear in our heads because if we don't have that clear, we're going to be searching all over for other divine inspiration and searching all over for that missing piece, which is infuriating. Scripture was given by God as the revelation about Himself, special revelation about Himself concerning salvation, concerning sin, concerning how to walk with God. 
Turn with me to 2 Peter 1.3, and today will be sort of sword drill day again. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Catch a key word in there? His divine power has given us everything we need for godly living. I'm not sure what else to say about that. Everything pretty much means everything. And so the Bible itself claims that through His power, through the the revelation He has given, through His Word, He has given us everything we need for godly living. No missing pieces. To me, that's very comforting. That, that's amazing that, that okay, I, if I'm searching all over for how to live for God, maybe I need to search in one place. Maybe it can come down to one source. Matthew 4.4, 4, a verse that we read in, in worship this morning. Jesus answered as He's being tempted by Satan, and Satan says, turn these stones into bread. He answers with Scripture, and He's quoting out of Deuteronomy. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus here is by example using Scripture as authority, by example using Scripture to defeat sin, but at the same time He is reinforcing that it is by the Word of God that we live. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the Bible is the only divinely intended authority for faith and godly living. Now that doesn't mean that other sources can't be helpful. That doesn't mean that we should never go to church and hear a message. That's okay. Doesn't mean that we can't read other books. But when we say that God's Word is sufficient, then all of those things, all of the preaching, all of the books that we read, if they are talking about how to live a godly life, they must come back to God's Word as their source. If they don't have God's Word as their source, then they do not have power. And they do not have authority to help us live. Now that's important in a day and age where you can go to the bookstore and see 10 million how-to books. How to do this. How to do this. How to live your better life now. How to, to be rich. How to be poor. I, I don't know. I, all these things. And do they have their source in God's Word? No. And I'm watching churches fall into this as, as to try to attract the world and try to attract people. Churches are abandoning preaching God's Word and, and having everything be founded in God's Word for the altar of relevancy. And trying to help us with our lives. And I'm, I'm not a, a opposed to being relevant, but only as it comes out of God's Word. See, what happens if we went to just sermons of how to do this and, and how to, to love your wife and how to raise... You now, those are good things. But if we don't come back to God's Word for how to do those, how long does it last? There's no foundation I've given you no reason to pursue it because we haven't backed it up with the authority of God's Word. The authority of God's Word trumps the authority of Ron. Hugely. No no comparison. Not even in the same universe. And so it's vital that a church, if they are to be healthy, have their preaching from God's Word. 
There is no substitute. There can be no substitute. As I look at my library, and I, and I, I enjoy books, and my goal is that at least half of my library at any given time is books that help explain Scripture. Books related to the study of Scripture. Because that is the primary source. Sufficiency means the Bible is the only divinely intended authority for faith and living. We're going to camp on, on point A for a while. That'll be most of our morning. Because I want to look up some verses that, that really talk about, okay, how is the Bible sufficient? You might say, okay, Pastor Ron, I've heard you say that. I understand where you're getting that, but I haven't seen it in practice yet. Let's look at what God's Word says. His Word, I don't remember if in your notes I gave you points, subpoints under A, or if I just left a whole bunch of space. Okay, then great, I'll give you points. First is that His Word is what enables us to grow and become more Christ-like. His Word is the divine tool of sanctification. Turn with me to John 17:17. 17, 17. John 17:17. 17, 17. Jesus is talking here. He's praying to His Father for His disciples. Short verse. We mentioned this in inerrancy and we bring it up again. We'll use some of the same verses. But 17.17, He says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. Simple verse. Jesus says, Sanctify them. And the process of sanctification is is becoming more Christ-like. Every day, taking those things that are worldly out of our lives, taking the junk out of our lives, and replacing it with Christ and His character. And Christ says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You want to be more Christ-like? He's given us the tool. He's given us the tool. Sanctify them by your word. His word enables us to grow and become more Christ-like. His word reveals what is really inside of us as nothing else can. Turn to Hebrews 4. I told you we'd be turning a lot today. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. This is one of those verses that we may not like. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit. There's a lot of talk of what does that mean, dividing the soul and spirit. But basically it means it gets to the very center of your core, the very center of your being, and can tell exactly who you are. I don't always like to know that. But God's Word reveals that. On a side note, I believe that's one of the reasons why we don't like to go to God's Word sometimes, why it's hard to go to God's Word, why we don't want to say it's sufficient. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Verse 13, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. We want accountability for what's inside. Let's start with God's Word and read it and let it penetrate and let the Holy Spirit speak. It is alive and effective in our hearts. Not only does it reveal what's, what's in our hearts, what's really inside, but we see that it brings wisdom. It brings wisdom. Turn over just a little bit to the left. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
2 Timothy chapter 3. And when we talked about inspiration, we looked at verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable, and, and we'll look at that again. But look a couple verses ahead of that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 14, instead of 16. Sometimes when verses are so familiar with us, we forget to read around them. And we forget that all of God's Word is inspired. Starting at verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have been convinced of, because you know that those, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Which are made, able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And we see that God's word are what gives us wisdom to salvation. That gives us spiritual wisdom. In fact, we cannot find spiritual wisdom apart from God's Word. No matter how hard we try. God's Word brings wisdom. We read on and we see that God's Word equips us to do God's work. And we'll continue on in the next verse. Verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Teaching, where God's Word instructs us us about His truth. Rebuking, where God's Word reprimands us when we've gotten off track. When we've done things we shouldn't be doing. When we've walked off His path, it admonishes us. Correcting, it shows us how to get back on the path. It corrects our behavior and gets us back to truth. Training, that it's guiding the way to holy living. What an incredible verse. But then we read on, verse 17. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for good works. Is that what it says? For how how many good works? For every good work. And we come back to the sufficiency or the completeness of Scripture. It's there over and over So if we want to serve Him, if we want to minister for Him, if we want to do what He's called us to do, God's Word is sufficient. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is still all part of fleshing out what does it mean that this is the only divinely given authority and and power for living a godly life. Turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. The Bible is sufficient to help us lead blameless, holy lives. It's sufficient to help us deal with sin issues. Those issues that keep coming back and back and over and over that we just can't defeat in our lives, that we just can't work on in our lives... God's Word is sufficient to handle those. And so many times we, we never deal with sin in our life because we're trying to deal with it a whole lot of other ways other than God's Word. Starting at verse 1 of Psalm 119. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. And the psalmist ties being blameless to walking with the law of the Lord, the, His Word, His Scripture. 
Jump to verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Again, the word living, that it's for all of life. It's how we live. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And God's word says, okay, you're struggling with sin. Start memorizing my word. Start letting my words, the very words of God, have authority in your life. And not that we shouldn't seek accountability and not that we shouldn't seek help. But if we do all that without coming to the foundation of God's Word, sin wins. Sin wins. And so many times, I think we, we expect to grow spiritually and we expect to have spiritual success in our lives and we don't expect to have to do the work of being in God's Word. And it cannot happen. It cannot happen. If someone comes and says, hey, I'm struggling with this, what do I do? Our first question should be, are you in God's Word? Are you in God's Word? Because if you're not, we're talking just to error. It will make no difference. God's Word also gives us God's will for our lives. Gives us the parameters the, the, the moral truth, the absolute truth within which we are to act. And what, what's, what's amazing about God's Word is it gives us the, the, the parameters, it gives us the boundaries and says, live within this. This is godly living. And then within that, within that, taking into account wisdom, do what you want. Because if God's Word is sufficient and contains everything for life, then if it's not there, is it what God expects of us? Think about that for a minute. It's the parent that goes away and, and leaves a list for their kids and then comes home and says, okay, you, you did great, you did my list, but you missed one thing. I know it wasn't on the list, but um, you, your car is still taken away for a month. How would you do with that? Teenagers that are here? That'd be really great, wouldn't it? But God doesn't do that because He has given us all that we need and this is the list of what He'll hold us accountable for. Now we could spend a lot of time fleshing that out. But that's a great conversation away from Sunday morning or this morning as we have a lot of other things to get through. But it does give us God's will. Now, it doesn't mean, and there's stories of people that say, okay, what, what does God want me to do? And, okay, there's a story of one businessman who was struggling with a lot of bad debt and down and out, and he went to his Bible and did that and found success because he, he put his finger on chapter 11. So he filed chapter 11 bankruptcy. That's not what we're meaning. It's not some mystical way of, oh, I'm going to, to put my finger. It's, it's a systematic study of God's Word, understanding of God's Word, seeking of His wisdom. See, why don't we think God's Word is sufficient? Sometimes we go and we say, well, God's Word doesn't address what I'm dealing with in life. 
God's Word doesn't address the struggles I have this week. How do I deal with a coworker that's yelling at me? How do I deal with a boss that isn't fair? How do I deal with a disagreement with my spouse, with kids that are unruly? And I challenge you that the Bible does speak to those things. But here's the difference. We are looking for quick fix how-to ideas. Give me three steps to have perfect children. Please? I'll even take five. And we want three steps to have perfect children. And God's Word, instead of dealing with the symptoms, instead of dealing with the surface, it deals with the heart and it deals with the root. And so God's Word will deal with things like loving one another and pride and self-centeredness. And all of those things play into how we raise our children, don't they? I thought I was patient. Then I had kids. And God is sanctifying me. And God is refining me. Not with how to get them to behave, but with what in my character do I need to change to be more Christ-like. And God's Word directly deals with those things. But yet we don't believe it does because we are looking for quick, easy fixes instead of a life devoted to God's Word and instead of changing from the inside out. And we miss the power of God's Word because we just don't care much about it, I think. See, we have to read it for it to be effective. We have to be open to letting it change us and not closed and say, I'm fine, to have it be effective. One person said, a Bible in the hand is worth two in the bookcase. Way too true. Way too true. I want to run through the rest of the points. And like I said, point A is really the the core and the others are just sort of some, some extra thoughts about sufficiency. B, sufficiency does not exclude general wisdom. Sufficiency does not exclude general wisdom. We see when it it comes to coming to Christ, we have two different kinds of revelation. We have general revelation, which Romans talks about in Romans chapter 1 verse 19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood what has been made so that men are without excuse. And we see a general revelation where God has used creation and the wisdom in His creation and and the order of creation to, to turn people, to turn their eyes toward them. And then we see special revelation in God's Word that then once they are, they are open to God and, and their eyes are turned toward Him, then we get the instruction about Christ and sin and His redemption. General revelation does not save. Only God's Word and the revelation there can save. But out of this and, and throughout Proverbs, we see that God has, has given general wisdom. And and that general wisdom applies to life. Jesus was a carpenter, right? Now, we never find in the Old Testament how to make a table. But was it okay for him to make tables? Yes, that's general wisdom. And so when we say sufficiency of, of God's Word to godly living, we have to understand that God also gave us general wisdom here. 
and general wisdom in His creation. Now, we will never find, and I know this is sort of absurd, but we won't find a recipe for a taco. But it's okay to eat tacos. <laughs> and that's general wisdom. And I mention that because I've seen people all over the continuum on this. We've seen different cults that have, have said no to all kinds of things. But God has given us wisdom. C, point C. True Christian doctrines and beliefs must be solely based upon Scripture. If it is not in Scripture, it is not to be a core doctrine or belief. The challenge for me there is, for all of us, do I know where what I believe is in God's Word? Can I support it in God's Word? If this is our authority, and if this is sufficient... Do I even know? What verse would I use for that that Jesus Christ is fully God? What verse would I use for that Jesus Christ paid for my sins on the cross? But true Christian beliefs and doctrines must be based solely on Scripture. And we must be open to letting Scripture change our beliefs if it is clear in God's Word. There may be people that differ on doctrine and can look at the same verse and come to different conclusions, godly men, that is not a weakness of the Bible, that is a weakness of our understanding of the Bible. God's Word is sufficient and inerrant. D, sufficiency means we do not need additional revelation. There will be no further Scripture. There will be no further divine revelation as what we have is sufficient for our obedience and it is what God has chosen fully to reveal about Himself. The mysteries that it leaves are mysteries God intended to leave. And as we deal with all kinds of new religions cropping up and new cults, it's amazing, but they all have some new divine revelation. And that denies the sufficiency of Scripture. Because if we need more, then God messed up. Does that make sense? Proverbs 30, verse 5, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, or He will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Now we see that God, in His Word, gave, gave the Old Testament before Christ, and then when Christ came, He gave the New Testament. But at each stage, the Scripture that He gave was sufficient. And now we know that the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament, this is God's sufficient, inspired, inerrant Word. Finally, the last point. The Bible is sufficient to accomplish God's purposes. It is powerful. It is powerful. I don't know why we would go elsewhere. Isaiah 55, verse 10, As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So he's comparing the rain comes down, helps things grow. It's, it's effective. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. 
Isn't that a neat verse? God's Word will accomplish what He wants it to accomplish. Because again, this comes back to the very first point we made. The Bible is the very words of God. And if it's the very very words of God, it represents His authority. It represents His power. And we can't explain it because it is God's power. But God's Word is not just any book. It is not just a collection of good ideas for how to live better. It is, it is His holy word for how to live godly. And it is sufficient to accomplish that. I end with the question, is God's word relevant? Some will confront you and say, it's an old book, it's 2,000 years old, it doesn't apply to life today. And I challenge you with the foundation that we have set that that is not true. It is God's holy word. It deals with things like arguments in a family. James deals with that very directly, actually. He says, why do you quarrel? It is because you do not have what you want, and you're selfish. Does it help when I'm struggling with pride? Does it help when I just don't see things around me going in the right direction? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to end by giving you some homework. You okay with homework? Sometime this week, would you open up and read Psalm 19, 1 through 11? Psalm 19, 1 through 11. I don't know if I put that in your notes. It's, it may be in the list of verses. But as you read it, read what it has to say about the sufficiency of God's Word, the power of God's Word, the effectiveness of God's Word. It's really a wonderful passage. The first six verses talk about the general revelation, what God through creation has expressed. But then verses 7 through 11 deal with God's word about himself. And just take some time this week to read that, especially verses 7 through 11, and read every word that it uses to describe God's word. It starts by saying God's word is perfect or complete, or sufficient. May we cherish His Word. May we be a people that are willing to give our lives for His Word. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father, thank You for Your sufficient Word. Lord, help us to believe that. Help us to go to Your Word first. Help us to study it until we find what you would have us find there. Help us to let it have rule over our lives, authority over our lives as your very word. Lord God, we pray that we would be a people in love with your word. In your name, amen.